No watching from the side Said that you got him next Well go ahead and show him why No limits in the sky What up everybody? Welcome back to another episode of Up Next The podcast where we tell you who's up next in youth sports And discuss all kind of youth sports issues We have a special guest here today uh, We'll introduce him in a second But of course I'm Jamal Murphy And I got my co-host Khalid Green in the house What's up man? Peace, everyone. I'm just happy to be alive during this historic time in uh, America, man. So no joke. Yeah. We're gonna build on that. Seriously, it's 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 been a it's been a wild, you know. Obviously, been a wild few weeks, but even a wild day. Yeah. So so we'll get into that, of course. Um, and as I mentioned, we got a special guest today, uh, Kenji Summers, uh, former Nike basketball East Coast brand marketing manager. Uh, so you you know where we're going with that. Uh, his ex- he has an expertise in community development and creative strategy. Um, I'm, I know he's doing some consulting around those issues now, and he can get into that if he wants to. But uh, Kenji, thank you for joining us. Yeah, thank you for having me, fellas. It's my honor to be here. Yes, sir. We honored to have you, brother. No doubt. So we'll get into some. We'll get into uh, youth sports, which is what you've spent a lot of a lot of you know your professional life doing. So. Kenji, let's get in. Let's get into your background a little bit. Tell us, you know, how you, how you, why you got into the game, and 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 you know, take it back to you know when you were a kid. What ba- what basketball or sports has meant to you, and then how you how you took that uh, to to get into marketing and 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 working with Nike. Right. Wow. Thank you, man. Um, I feel very grateful to be able to tell this story with you, brothers. You know, I think probably the first time I've told it. Um, around the topic of basketball. It's usually around other things and then it becomes part of the story. But this is the story that got me here, which I was a young kid in, in Bed-Stuy. Um, I grew up going to the Bed-Stuy Y, learn how to uh, to play ball there, as well as the Vanderbilt Y in Manhattan. And um, I would go to teen centers. It would be like, I think every Friday or Saturday night and they'd let you hoop till like midnight. And then at the Bed-Stuy Y, um, they had programs where like, you know, in the mornings, on the weekends, um, and evenings they had, they had trainings and workouts. But in both both uh, centers, they had the Junior Knicks. And so Junior Knicks program is how I learned, where I learned how to play basketball. It was men volunteering their time and, and helping me in the game. But at the same time, you know, New York wasn't just basketball. Huge driver of New York culture, but also so was the music. So my aunt, um, my Jerry Summers, first founding editor and writer of Word Up magazine. And so as a kid growing up, I would always hear the music from her uh, apartment upstairs in a brownstone. And it would, uh, it always, it would uh, inspire me. My dad's from Harlem. So when he would come visit, he would have his own records. But, you know, the blend of what he was interested in, which was kind of more the socially conscious stuff like Jungle Brothers or X-Clan or Brand Nubian. You know, Rakim Alab, um, Big Daddy Kane. And uh, even when he would play something like later in my life, like with DMX, when his first record came out, he'd always ask me, like, what do you think those lyrics mean? And so with my aunt, I, I would borrow, you know, CDs. You know, Life After Death was the first one I remember I borrowed and uh, and played the explicit version all the way through. I was like, hold up, he's from my neighborhood? Like, he's <laughs> from where I'm from? I, like, my, I wasn't sheltered enough, but I was sheltered enough. 
And so I didn't see what everything was, but I knew what blue top, red top, I knew what all that looked like and what it could mean, but he was giving me the stories behind all of it, right? And as a, you know, young kid, I wasn't even a teenager yet, um, you know, it was, it was enlightening. So that basketball interest and learning how to play the game in New York and then learning about hip hop in New York brought me to this point where my dad saw me, I was about to graduate and I played two years of basketball at Murray Berksham High School um, in Manhattan. So that was varsity, you know, they didn't have JV. So I, I, I was fortunate to go to varsity freshman year. And uh, I was never like an AAU player. I tried to make Riverside, tried to make Gauchos, didn't happen. My friends made them, so I was always envious. But um, I played with a small group called Brooklyn Rams out of Flatbush. And so uh, Reginald Murray there gave me an opportunity to travel a little bit and kind of see outside of New York. But by the time I got to high school, I, I thought I was straight to the league. You, you couldn't tell me, right? Even though like I, I wasn't ranked or anything, I just couldn't tell me I wasn't. So by the time I was getting ready to graduate from a private school in Brooklyn called Delphi Academy, I spent my last two years there. My dad said, hey, um, what do you think about for college? And I was like, I don't know. I mean, I'm going to stay home and, you know, maybe go to St. Francis and, or, you know, maybe I'll get a late scholarship and go somewhere else. I wasn't looking at it any other way other than to play basketball. And then my dad was like, well, how about you consider UMass Amherst? And I didn't know much about UMass, University of Massachusetts, other than it was a mid-major. And I was like, um, yeah mid-major but I went over to visit and the sport management program was introduced to me and I was fortunate enough to um, apply out of high school and I was um, accepted and uh, lo and behold there's the number one sport management program in the nation um, and from my knowledge from uh, at least the alumni I noticed as I get it still is and uh, so by the time I I was ready to graduate my dad was like well you can either be owned and controlled or you can own and control and, you know, I can imagine, like, till Kyrie, too, now that you have all of the money that someone said, what are you owning and controlling, right? And your time and your money and your mind. You know, those are the things my dad used to say. My dad's a psychologist, and so he would always, like, bring me kind of into the mindset of the person that I was trying to understand, like, put myself in their shoes. Um, and so Nike basketball came out of um, me interning at Converse, and meeting this guy named Stan Lumax. Uh, so I was the Converse intern when uh, Stan Lumax was uh, working at Anomaly, which is an advertising agency. And they had just won the Converse business and they were working on a Dwayne Wade uh, campaign. And so I was an intern and I set up the room and you know, Stan Lumax walked in and my manager at the time said, hey, you should know him. You should also know this other guy named Dan Cherry who uh, was working there. And also before that helped with a lot of the, the Jordan brand work from the agency Wyatt and Kennedy and helped start and one um, and do that work. So anyway, these two brothers, two black men working in advertising became very interesting to me. They both from Brooklyn. So then uh, Stan gripped me up and told me, oh, man, hit me up when you're in Brooklyn. Uh, less than 10 years later, around 10 years later, he uh, said, hey, there's an opening in Nike basketball. You know, how much you use all experience? Because then I went and work in advertising because of a lot of the inspiration from Stan Lumax and, and Cherry. And then I got opportunity to start a career in advertising and I really wanted to work in sports. So I worked on a campaign called come on LeBron, which was a marketing campaign for the city of New York. Um, and we involved mayor Bloomberg to basically make a call to, you know, LeBron, like, Hey man, if you come play here, I'm going to give you the keys to the city. And you know, the business behind it, cause I'm always thinking about the business and brand behind these decisions is, 
you know, New York was number two in tourism to Orlando, you know, Orlando, Disney World, so on mm-hmm. and so forth. And um, that opportunity was a, a shot for us to, with a low budget to, to get us to number one. And while it didn't work to get LeBron to the play in New York, it did work to get um, New York to number one in terms of tourism travel and uh, just spending numbers. So, and each time there's a free agency, I always look at that as like, yo, I wonder how much the city's putting into these um, these recruitments because it's not just the, the franchises a lot of the times, it's the actual municipality. So yeah, just to break it simple, like got to Nike basketball when it was down. So it's 2015, you know, we just had the um, NBA All-Star game. So I worked on that with an agency uh, that Nike had and uh, got to see a lot. And I was always obsessed with the youth, you know, hence community development for me, a lot of times is uh, anchored around youth development. Each one teach one. It should be intergenerational. Um, you know, it should be people that have come before you that are and have are yet to come. You know, it should be like, you know, you should always feel like you can reach up, you can reach back, you can rise up, and you can reach back. And so I was really interested in like, how do we talk to like the youth consumer on a regular basis? And so I think that gets me to Nike, but I, you know, I could tell these stories. I have a lot of them, but, um, you know, I think the reality for me was just like, it was really important to be a New Yorker working on Nike basketball in New York, you know, managing the East coast. So, you know, Boston down to Miami, but really focusing on like, how do we get New York into a Renaissance? And so that we can refresh a lot of, um, you know, the stories and, um, get some people, some new faces in, uh, in, into the spotlight so they can have platforms. Mm. So working for Nike, um, you always say we'll, we'll keep it on the grassroots level. Everybody knows, you know, the shoe companies are, you know, run kind of run the situation as far as grassroots con- is concerned. But to what, what, like, if you had to describe what the shoe companies, what, what are they there to do? You know, uh, why, and what do they do? Because, yeah. you know, people, everybody knows, oh, the, it's, you know, it's the shoe companies that run stuff, uh, you know, but, but how do they do what they do? Right, right. How they do what they do. I think it goes back to um, uh, to the City Attack campaign that uh, that Nike did. You know, there were brands here before Nike. It doesn't feel like that sometimes. But, you know, as y'all brothers know, like, I mean, it feels like Nike's always been here. But at some point, like, they really made a, a stake at the, you know, they made a claim to, you know, try to be number one. Um, but I think a lot of that happened around City Attack. So that's when, like, Bobito who um, legendary radio DJ, barber, sneaker aficionado, the first Nike basketball announcer, street streetball announcer, um, somebody with a lot of, like, you know, blood, sweat, and tears in the game um, from Harlem, like, was uh, brought on to consult with Nike basketball. So a lot of it has to do with, like, whether it be Nike, Adidas, you know, Fila at one point, um, Reebok, I never want to leave anyone out. Converse, of course. Uh, you know, I think what they're supposed to do, you know, if it's if it's from our perspective in grassroots basketball, it is to provide resources and provide excitement to get kids involved in the game. Um, what has happened over these years is that we've become, when I say we, I mean the communities become dependent on them for financing and for the excitement and for uh, providing a platform uh, for the athlete, for the young athlete. And um, the reason that Nike, Adidas, all of these brands came 
was because we were always already doing that. You know, one of the mentors I have in this game that was one of my basketball coaches, uh, the legendary Jim Couch of uh, Dykeman, you know, was Kareem Abdul-Jabbar's first basketball coach and also still runs his Jim Couch National Training Showcase and Uptown Challenge. And, and what he, also, he told me, broke it down to me, he was like, Kenji, before Dykeman was Dykeman, you remember it was like, I think, an uh, Italian community. And then Blacks came, you know, you know, obviously we got, you know, not obviously, but we got pushed further uptown from some of the other neighborhoods. And then um, at some point there was a huge Dominican migration. And so then when at that point there was white flight, you know, a lot of the, the veterans from, I believe, the Korean War and probably even before that, the um, Vietnam, they were coming back with um, these opportunities now to, you know, want to revitalize the community. So now we have public housing. And so then it started with like creating opportunities in public housing for kids to learn life skills through the game of basketball. And, you know, of course, to, you know, have the opportunity to, to exercise and compete. And then it starts to expand, it starts to expand. And then, you know, for me, the, the change happened, for, you know, when I think about from brand perspective, is when Riverside went on their run um, and so did the Gauchos. And then as a result, all the top players were playing in the CHSAA um, as well as PSAL. But like, I feel like CHSAA is arguably, you know, where the greatest talent came from in that generation. So for me, I remember it was like three, three point guard, all Americans, Talik Brown, Andre Barrett and Omar Cook in the same year. Right. And so by then it's like all these brands are now like, oh, right, the talent's coming from here. The excitement's coming from here. The culture's coming from here. And it never hurts when you have a, a franchise that's winning. So that when the Knicks were like having their runs, it really helped grow the game. So a long way to answer your question is that the brand is supposed to be a facilitator, but now the brand has become the dominator. And it's, it's, it's one of those things where like, you're not going to really know how you can change things if you even want to change things, unless you know the history. Right. So forty million dollars slave is incredibly important for me from like a you know take a zoom out and just understand like you know these conveyor belts that happen in our communities. So now our best kids, as you all know, like you get seen. Now you're on a conveyor belt to prep school, and once you're in prep school, you're spending less time in the city, spending less time in the city, you have less connection to the community, less connection to the community. You may come back and play, but no one really knows you. So then you don't feel the love, so you don't want to come back when you're a pro. Um, and so the brand, that was always one of our challenges. Like, how do we tell stories about New York when our best players aren't even really, you know, repping New York? Right. 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 And that's what's going on. I mean, uh, we, we uh, Jamal and me have had many players on here already that, you know, some of the top players that are top 10 in the country and they're from New York, but, as freshmen, they're already gone. Right. So, you know, like, kid, we had Anthony Gilks on. He's one of the top kids in the country. He's already at IMG. Got, he went there out of eighth grade. So that speaks to what you're saying. Yeah, and even and the yeah. ones who haven't gone yet, they, they look at that as, a, as an option. And then, and then, you know, so you get that, too. Every, you know, the, the talk is for the past, what, at least 10 years or so, uh, New York has fallen off. You know, they don't produce pros like they used to. Most people don't know who's from New York. You don't even know because, you know, like you said, in high school, they're prep school and that's how they, then they go to college and they're introduced as he's from 
Connecticut, where wherever he went to prep school or something like that. So you don't even know any of these guys, you know, who, who were probably born in New York. Yeah. I have a question. As a marketer, would that be something that uh, would be an advantage if the kids did stay in New York? You know, from your perspective, one thousand percent. The storytelling opportunity, like, and I'll just say it from this perspective: I had an opportunity to meet this young man named uh, Shaq West. He he became a rapper and had a lot of success with a with a song, and you know, I would say two thousand seventeen, I charted and went to like number seven on the Billboard um, Hot One Hundred Singles chart. And I met him because I was looking for a muse for Nike basketball. And I really just wanted somebody who could represent not just the performance, but the style of the game, the culture of the game, had interest outside of just playing basketball. All the things that we, you know, are trying to see with Kyrie, like he's doing later in life, this kid was doing at 14, 15, 16 years old. Led PSAL and assist um, as a sophomore, you know, like had decent success, but always wanted to present himself as an artist. And so, I always looked like, well, if we can connect him to Nike now, he's also not going to be a challenge with like Clearinghouse because he's not going to probably pursue it on a collegiate level, which now I know rules are changing, which I want to hopefully talk with y'all about on and off the air. Right, right. Um, but yeah, man, like why wouldn't you, right? Like you, you have a top person who played all their, their life in New York. So you're going to have all the footage, right? You have all the footage. You're going to have all the stories from the legends like, yeah, I remember such and such. Yeah, he was a good player. Yeah, man, it's good to see him come home and, and represent the city, you know, um, which is like the closest we got right now to that is a Kyrie. Right. Um, but then New Jersey can claim him, too, and does claim him. And he is a Jersey kid. Right. So if you have a real New York kid and I know Obi is, is that for some people in, in, with the Knicks. But again, like keeping them in New York, even if they could, if there was a chance for them to go to college in New York, I mean, the last guy I remember, you know, there's been a few players that did it on a high level. But at this point, if you can get that person and keep them protected in, 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 in not just protected, but like uh, positioned and provided with like life skills and instruction and, and to minimize the ego expansion that happens as they get better and get, get more known. Um, once you get to the pro level, I mean, that would be a story that everybody would want a piece of. Right. That's interesting. So, so marketing wise, it would be beneficial for kids to, to stay in the city. Man, it will be advantageous. I'm talking to the kid right now. Yeah. It will be advantageous for you to stay in New York your whole career, if at all possible. And to the parents, the, the opportunities that you would get on the front end and the back end would be exponentially greater. And I think there's two men right here that you could talk to that also tell you the same thing. Right. As a marketer, a marketer has done it for Nike, for Adidas, and now for Converse. If you can get a New York athlete to stay here and commit to the city and growing the city's game, and maybe even one day playing for a New York team, that's that's the greatest story never told. So, and the other and the other greatest story never told is that a lot of them are not trying to stay here because they're trying to avoid the regions. The Regis is <laughs> the Regis exam is like a monster, and they're like, "Yo, I'm out of here. I'm not doing that." <laughs> so that that's part of the other that's the other part of the story. And then and then the other part is the you know getting let's get into the to the name, image, and likeness discussion. Part, another part of it is that 
yes, they would be able to market themselves, but they wouldn't be able to benefit from it until much later. So they can't really, you're not really going to put two and two together like that because it's not, you know, you could tell a kid, oh, you stay here, um, you stay in New York, build your brand or whatever, but that brand isn't doing anything for them. And it's not allowed to, if you, if you want to play college basketball. So let's talk about that. Um, the fact that these, you know, all these other people making millions and billions of dollars off of, off of these kids, even at, even at that young age with, but the kid is not allowed to profit off of that. So, you know, what's your thought in terms of, you know, kids being allowed to profit, just like, you know, rapper, young rappers can profit off what they're doing. You know, Sheck West was able to profit. Why can't the basketball, the young basketball player profit? Yeah. Um, I think a lot of that is in $40 million slaves. So I won't even pretend to to have any original thoughts on this. But one thing I, I noticed, it was like I would ask people in other areas of Nike, like in, in football or soccer, so to speak, like you go to any other country um, or even in this country, if they if they choose to, they can go pro at a very early age and enter academy system and get nurtured. And again, that's I think that's the biggest challenge for me. It's like, the money-making opportunity, if you're not nurtured properly, you don't learn financial literacy and you, you don't discover or unearth your purpose, like your destiny, your reason for being here, um, you're going to lose any of that anyway, or you'll be unhappy with it, which I think is what we're seeing with a lot of athletes. I, I, I don't know if y'all saw that story of Ben Gordon on Players' Tribune, um, but it was fascinating for me. He told a lot of his challenges with mental health and how the game of basketball kept him sheltered from his mental health challenges because he had something to focus on um, firmly all the time, which is how when I describe when people are like, yo, what is it like to meditate? I'm like, it's keeping your focus on one thing for as long as you can. That's, that's like one level of meditation. And so basketball is like a meditation. And so you're doing it, doing it, doing it. But if you're not growing, it's essential, but it's not enough. Meditation, just like basketball, is essential, but it's not enough. You need the other areas of life to fill you up. And so name, image, and likeness, oh, man, I, I would love to, to give perspective on that to, to the youth themselves and to the parents and to the coaches because, you know, it's like I think people try to run to the, the, the finish line. They try to get to the finish line without understanding, like, the, the mechanics of running a proper race so you're not exhausted by the time you get there and you're not beat up and tore up by the time you get there. You know, I think the example that so many kids should look at right now, as well as, um, you know, I, I don't like the term handlers as much because it always like implies like negativity. But for those that are positive, um, I would say, look at like Jelly Fam, man. Like imagine if they had name, image, and likeness um, opportunities um, from the time they did from the time I would say Zay made the statement about Jelly Fam, and I think it was, I don't know when Cash told me about this movement, but I would say it was around, for me, 2015, 16. Well, if they had name, image, and likeness opportunities from then, even if it was an open marketplace where like the schools don't have to pay, but there's something that's like regulating it on the back end, like their college funds, I mean, for their kids and their kids' kids are already probably paid for, let alone any investments they probably could have made. And then internationally, think about how many youth um, basketball players from all over the world in Asia and Africa would want it to have, you know, got a piece of that or been inspired by that or created like Jelly Fam Johannesburg or Jelly right. Fam Seoul, your Jelly right. Fam Shanghai. 
And it's a shame that because of NCAA's um, regulations, and it's all consultants, right? NCAA is primarily consultants. So everyone's trying to like maintain their, their, their personal financial interests, power, influence. But yeah, like if it was opened up earlier, which now is, is going to be what it is, I, I really hope people are looking into all the details. And I'm looking to get skilled up and learn more about what name, image, image and likeness opportunities are going to be. Yeah, because we bring on kids on here. I mean, you, sp you just spoke about Africa. We brought an eighth grader on here uh from africa he has like what 30 something thousand followers on instagram and mm -hmm. i mean we're, on a regular we're bringing kids on that have you know fifty thousand followers and seventy five thousand followers so that is that's income right there that's that's residual that's that's stuff that w they should be able to turn that into something uh tangible monetarily speaking one thousand percent. I was told a story, man. I love this topic, by the way. So you just tell me if y'all want to. <laughs> but like the story of Space Jam. Y'all heard the story of Space Jam? No. Yo, you know, the next one's coming out with LeBron, right? Yeah. Right. Um, well, the story of Space Jam, it was an ad campaign uh, featuring Bugs Bunny and Widening Kennedy, an ad agency independently owned out of Portland, Oregon. It's been Nike's, I would say, agency, agency of record for decades now came up with the idea of this character and the ad, or well, not the character, but the ad and the Warner Brothers character, right? And they went to Nike's um, CEO at the time, founder, now chairman, I think emeritus, uh, Phil Knight and said, hey, you know, we want to do this uh, movie with y'all based on a character. Like, what do you think? He was like, yo, we don't make movies, we make shoes. Yo, I can't say the exact number because I want to <laughs> get it off. But the exact number of what that first franchise grossed from film to soundtrack to merchandising. There's kids right now, in my estimation, their creativity. You know our kids, right? Like, Absolutely. especially young black kids, they, they're beaming with creativity. That's why everyone wants them for the focus groups. That's why I did. Right. Like, I want all these other kids that are just trying to be like the black kids. <laughs> right. You know, and that's just right. really cut and dry, right? Right. Not to say that other people don't have their cultural identities and nuances, but black kids drive the cultural shifts and thus the trends monetized and commercialized by all of these major brands, sneaker Absolutely. brands. And so it's like the opportunities for name, image, and likeness for me aren't just like, yo, give them a Gatorade bottle and, and you know, have them talk about Gatorade. It's like, yo, come up with intellectual property and then keep the points and then get a fee for selling that idea to the brand. Because they, they want your ideas anyway. So they're either going to harvest it by going through your basketball coach and getting you for a focus group or right. going to somebody like me <laughs> and saying, hey, man, can you get us this information? And for me, it's like, yo, everybody should win. It right. really should be that simple. And I know everyone has to do the math on it. But like, you know, growing up in New York, we always talk about supreme mathematics. So whatever math that people mm -hmm. are talking about, you know, on a base level, like you just take it up to the supreme math. Like, That's what, right you as a creator, as a maker, own a cream of planet Earth, choose to do with your time, your mind, and your money. Right. Tell a parent, yo, listen, take one of these ideas, send it to somebody like, I don't know, Kenji or me, because I have an agency called Future Current. It's creative shopping, and it's a school. So we take young people, our latest interns, a Riverside kid, who's from Harlem, and he's a, he's a senior in college. And we're just trying to show him game, give him opportunities to create things. Yo, go over there. Develop one of the ideas, keep points on the idea. When they go and sell it, that money then goes into a trust that you can access when you're 18 or 21 or whenever you're going to need it for college or for subsequent 
life. Right. Um, and then all the other stuff is easy money, like fee stuff, like, yo, hold this, talk about this, post this, all that stuff's easy. But then we get caught up, I think, even as a marketer, like, all right, what's all the money on the front end? But really, it's always been the back end. And that's why I brought in the, the Warner Brothers example, because even a top agency and a top brand like Nike didn't see the opportunity. Warner Brothers made that movie. That could have been a Nike movie. Imagine that. Imagine Space Jam was a Nike movie straight through and through. Wow. That's a hell of a story. I didn't even, I didn't know that story. So what what kind what what if under the current I mean the situation now is, is what it is, right? The kid the kids, you know, are gonna be penalized for, you know, being an entrepreneur at a young age. That's just I mean, in terms of playing college ball, like if that you know, what what would you what kind of advice would you give to a kid like even like um, you know, the biggest of the big in terms of the youth sports, like Mikey Williams, who has two point five mm-hmm. million followers or something. Mm-hmm. Like what what can they do? at this point to to ensure you know that they have you know points on something that they that that they can that they can create wealth somehow even if it's down the line yeah Uh, seek legal counsel (laughs) yeah seek legal counsel so you know what that means like um Mm -hmm. but also like start to allow your team to build up organically man like i think a lot of these the friends of these kids that are in school end up being the people that work for these brands anyway I mean, the story I just told to y'all, right? Like I was a high school kid. I didn't know what I was going to do other than playing NBA. And then I got opportunity to learn about sport management and business to sport. And then I thought one of the players I was friends with, we had Gary Forbes go to, to UMass at the time. So it was a Brooklyn kid. I was like, oh, maybe I'll get lucky and, and be an agent for Gary. You know what I mean? But now it's like, you can be all these things. And so I would tell a kid, just like organically, until these rules um, subsequently change, what is it, 20 what, yeah, but even, even even when they change, we don't know how they're going to change. We don't know. They, they might, I would bet what they're going to do is they're going to change the rules just enough, just just a little bit to try to satisfy some people. So so they might change it once you get to college. They might say, once you get to our school, um, yeah. now you have name, image, likeness. But if you dare try to do it before you get to the school, you're ineligible. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. You know what I would do? And there's been conversations about HBCUs and, and what that may look like. And I think that's that's an interesting option for colleges because maybe, you know, HBCUs would, you know, as a conference or right. different conferences could that's shift thing. their rules independently of the NCAA. But the other thing I would do for, if I was the kid, because I know how many kids link up now, right? Like you link up with your homie from the East Coast and from the South and the Midwest. I would hook up with people internationally. Like if I was the basketball kid right now, I would hook up with those soccer kids in those academies. And I think it's a good idea because I just got chills down my neck and on my forearm. Right. And I would, again, like I mentioned Jelly Fam, Johannesburg, Jelly Fam, Jelly Fam. So if I was those kids, if I was those AAU programs, let's give it that clearly, right? If I was AAU programs, I would not only just be hooking up potentially with other AAU programs within the Nike League or Adidas League or whatever leagues are out right now, I would be hooking up with soccer academies and saying, hey, what are the learnings that you have? And because like they're obviously ahead of us and they're like 50 years ahead. And so I would be hooking up with them. And that's just soccer is just the, for me, like the most clear comparison. A lot of a lot of poor black and brown kids that get opportunities to play at high levels and they get groomed and, de- and hopefully developed from a very young age. And I would try to create like the brand between them. So then the opportunity is all right, if you're not making money as a basketball player, this academy is already creating these funds 
for your programs, the AU programs, and now you're sharing influence and you're sharing money. And I think the only challenge then becomes how do you make sure they're still able to compete because, you know, someone's going to try to challenge it and test it and, and try to like interrupt it. But what I'm learning right now, and like I love Kyrie for that, is like, yo, there's enough money in the athletes. And there's a story that came out, um, all due respect to Kobe Bryant's legacy, about Kobe potentially pursuing having left Nike um, before his untimely demise or, or his demise. And for me, it's like, there's just those moments happen. I always take note and put a pin on it because I'm like, by myself, I don't have enough resources to even investigate it. Together, we can start thinking, what was in his mind? Who, who did he talk to that we could talk to? Because these kids, because he wasn't a huge fan of the AU system anyway. And right. so what does it look like? And he's, he's European in a, in a sense, right? He's Italian. Right. So he obviously knew about the soccer academy system. And I would say the Mamba school was very much in that, in that lane, in that lane. So I would like, look at like, how do you internationalize the same way the Panthers and other movements um, sought to internationalize or what Huey Newton would speak about was intercommunalism. So maybe it's less about the nations we're from, but the community that we are. Right. Um, right. And so from, you know, Brazil to anywhere there's people of color really, but anywhere there's people of culture, Anytime you find people of your culture, you know, link up, share resources, understand if you need to put like, you know, legal counsel again, if you need to put some stuff on paper, do it early and make sure everyone's taken care of. But I think there's been enough examples from uh, Triple B to Jelly Fam to Young Bull and Colin Sexton stuff to, you know, a lot of these basketball movements, clubs like that kind of came and went because they couldn't be sustained. I think the academy system is where you go and there's youth programs in those academy systems. And not only that, this is the last thing I'll say on this point. There's a lot of youth programs that get points. They get percentages based on what happens when their players sign those deals with the academies. Mm. So imagine if AAU programs got points when you sign with a particular college or if you sign with a particular footwear brand or other brand. And then that then sustains your program for the long term, right? Like I'm looking at one case right now, like I love the city AAU program and what RJ's doing. Um, me and RJ, you know, transparently went to junior high school together and played a lot of ball, but he produced out of his program, Donovan Mitchell. And, you know, arguably like, you know, he just signed a super, like a max, right? I think. Yeah. Right. And Pascal yeah. too, Eric Pascal. And Pascal. And Pascal. Big time so, Adidas contract too. Yeah. So imagine that. Like, he doesn't even have to pass through his personal money, but Adidas, as a result, kicks back into that program because it's like, yo, this is just what we do. This is the business. And you, nur and you nurtured them. And you nurtured them. So we're getting a stand-up character, you know, person with character and integrity. We're getting a standout basketball player, and we're getting somebody that has ties to a city, which is one of the biggest priority markets for us as a brand. Absolutely. Hmm. You know what the game is, uh, you know, I was on the phone with a college coach the other day and uh, he said that, uh, you know, in three years, the, you know, and I've heard talks about it already that kids will be coming out of high school again, um, officially. So, and he he's in Big East. I'm not gonna name the school because uh, Jamal, it's not your school, Jamal. All right, <laughs> so eliminate Georgetown. But uh, <laughs> but he said he said uh, kids, you know, and I've heard this before that kids will eventually be coming out of high school again. So that will be a way to circumvent, you know, all of the 
over policing of the of the NCAA. Mm. How do you feel about that? Yeah, ho- I, hopefully, right? But but then yeah. not everyone, you know, obviously, you know, you know how hard it is to make it to the pros. Like that's only you're only talking about a select, real select few kids who are gonna be able to do that. So right. these 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 other rules are still important. Still important, right? Right. And 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 to answer your question, I I am a proponent of kids coming out of high school. Um, oh yeah. You know I I yeah. you know I I look at the NCAA as a middleman yeah. slash slave master. So you know if they can if they can make money uh, off of what they're doing, you know, on an elite level, they should be able to do it and profit from it as soon as possible. Right. And you have the G League, too. So, they, you know, right. They'll have that, right. They can go straight to the G League. Right. And I think the G League, the the expansion of the G League and, and you know, the resources they they put into that is a precursor to what's going to happen as far as, you know, the, the NBA. So maybe those guys that are not elite, they still might be going to that G League and the elite, the, you know, you know, God, God bless the dead, the Kobe Bryant's, the. LeBron's, you know, that have come before and went out of high school, they they'll be fast tracked to the league. Um, so that's 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 what it looks like to me. Yeah, yeah. So so Kenji, uh, you know, before we get out of here, we got to have you back on because we only touched. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, 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 let me let me say this: man. I could talk to Kenji all day, man. The brother is very uh, intelligent, and I love your I love your. Uh, your aura, man, is real good, man. And you giving and and you giving dropping a lot of jewels for the youth. We appreciate that. Yeah. Nice. So we'll definitely we'll definitely got to get you back on and and scratch the surface some more. Um, but before we get out of here, tell you know tell the people you know you mentioned uh, the company that you're running right now. Uh, tell us you know what you're doing now and 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 your and your your media goals. For sure, my media goals. Um, you know, uh, I'm a daily meditator. So I would say that's a huge uh, foundation for me and how I do anything. Um, particularly, you know, I've been meditating every day for since uh, December 25th, 2017. So that that takes me into like three year territory. And so I'm just a beginner. But what it has done for me is it's shown me a lot of what helped Kobe Bryant and Michael Jordan went on and off the court. And so with my company, Future Current, we're a creative studio and school. So what we're looking to do and that we are doing is working with brands such as Converse, but also bringing in um, young people, particularly young people starting out from New York to teach them the things that I learned and that my creative team learned through, you know, say they combine 30 plus years doing global ad campaigns and, and being uh, awarded for the, that work. And so a lot of what, you know, I talk about Wyden Kennedy, you know, and what they've done for Nike or what agencies have done for Nike basketball in New York, we're, we're going to be providing those kids, those opportunities. So any basketball kids that are like, yo, I don't know if I want to play on a pro level or maybe I want to have an option outside of playing on a pro level, you know, let's have a conversation. Uh, you know, pa- parents, coaches, let's have a conversation. Um, and then on the other side of it, for me, I have a meditation, um, you know, I would say it's a brand around um, objects and garments designed for peaceful living, and that's called Free Peace. And uh, for me, peace is an inside job, it's inner work, and it's something that I want to be able to provide to people through you know things that they can touch, things that they can wear, things that they can put in their home. So those are the media projects that I have. And uh, so I'll be starting a meditation club for Free Peace. 
where like young ball players, if they want to, you know, people from any way, any walk of life, you know, I'm an everyday person, you know, you don't have to be a part of a, <laughs> a monastery or ashram or, you know, to, to do this. Uh, I want to help teach people the things that I learned along the way and I'm bringing in other teachers to, to teach the stuff that I don't even know. Um, so that's really immediate. And then with, with uh, Future Current, the most immediate thing is, you know, we're, we're working on, you know, a really, I think, incredible game-changing project around basketball and meditation. And if this goes the way it could go, I think it's going to change a generation. Because to your points about, yo, where do these kids go, you know, straight from high school? Like, how are they going to develop their minds? What's going to be in place for them? What's going to be the, the mental and mindfulness curriculum? And I want to I want to solve for that. Like, that's something I really find passion for. Yeah, I, I think there's a big, big, big understated need uh, in the black community in particular to deal with mental illness, uh, not just mental illness, mental health. Um, you know, I need it. I think we all need it, you know, and and I think generationally we need it. You know, we have PTSD that has been passed down from generation to generation from the trauma that we've been through. So um, I, I credit you a lot because that's 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 a need. And, you know, if we can point kids in your direction, you know, to, to get some help with that, that'll be I think that'll be substantial. So, Kenji. Keep up the great work. Uh, check them out. It's uh, only episode one with Kenji, by yeah. the way, man. <laughs> <laughs> episode one. Got Kenji. about 20 sequels coming with my man, man. <laughs> yeah, he'll, be, he'll be back to, to balance us out, you know yeah. what I'm saying? Yeah. Uh, in the future, uh, you know, Future Current. This is a uh, company, you know, former uh, Nike basketball, uh, East Coast brand marketing manager. There's so much, there's so much that we could talk about it and work together on. So we look forward to that. Uh, but Kenji Summers, thanks a lot for joining us. And uh, like Kali said, <laughs> we'll be talking again. Yeah, remember, like everybody, kids, adults, man, do good famously. Mm, like All that. that work you're doing, make sure you're compensated properly for it. Make it, make it pop. Do good Absolutely. famously. Absolutely. No Thank right, you, man. brother. Peace. Peace. All right, that was that was good stuff, Kenji Summers. Uh, there's a lot. There's so many so many issues that uh, that that he was touching on there. Um, independence, um, you know, working on working on self. So, you know, this, this it's the it's the conversation that we'll we'll continue to have. Yeah, I, I, the one thing that I, I I'm gonna I even wrote it down. He said his father taught him. Uh, either be owned in control or ownership in control. And I, I really, uh, I like that, man, because I, I believe in doing for self and, and uh, you know, trying to create your own uh, path, you know, and um, ownership is important in the black community. And, you know, I'm, kudos to him for bringing that up and his father for teaching him that jewel. Yeah, no question. And we got to figure out a way, like, you know, we always talk about <clears throat> the rules, uh, that you know the NCAA or other places put in effect, but you know we don't we don't really have to follow those rules. We can we can think of you know ways to to like you said own and control our own talents, our you know our own uh, you know own what we what we bring to the table. So uh, you know it's something we need to start doing, just really thinking about ways that we we can combat these these other forces that are coming in trying to take 
you know, take from us. We need to create ways, um, with, even within the system, to, to yeah. get our own. Yeah, we got to, you know, they call them, uh, Dame Dash calls them the, the culture vultures, and uh, the Honorable Elijah Muhammad once called them bloodsuckers of the poor. So um, that's that's very important. That's why we created this platform and others that we're working on now so we can, you know, create our own uh, revenue and, and you know, you know, uh, we pulled our resources together to to create something of value for the community. Right, right. So, um, you know, either either join us, get with us, or we we take over by ourselves. That's, the, <laughs> that's right. That's, that's right. how it's gonna go. <laughs> so, uh, thanks to everybody for listening to another episode of Up Next. Uh, keep following us on social media at Up Next Pod on Instagram at Up Next underscore Pod on Twitter. And up next, Youth Sports on YouTube. Uh, we right. just got our YouTube kicked off. So all the interviews we have, we have the full video versions on there. So check that out. Up next, Youth Sports on YouTube. Yep. Thanks for your support so far. Peace. Picking up them pieces, ain't no limits in the sky. Uh, said you got up next, well, gon' show them why. Uh, one, two, that's a three. Now take your shot, ball player. Bishop Lachlan, purple and gold, that's a flex. Uh, Kylie Green, got me a scally for he left. Uh, Joe Cash, something like dollars on the check.